Well, good evening. So, I thought it uh, probably more fitting to go on and read chapter 6 of the Gita after the previous um, episode and some of the the episodes before because we were discussing exactly um, this let's see here what line is it line 5 of chapter 6 reshape yourself through the power of your will never let yourself be degraded by self will the will is the only friend of the self and the will is the only enemy of the self right so it's still surprises me that in the West, um, this seems to be such a difficult concept that the self, the self is both our tool um, and our tyrant uh, in this, uh, in this uh, endeavor uh, to suffer less or be less dis- dissatisfied with our lot or just to become a better person. Or to, you know, better ourselves and better the universe. We all tend to see the root of all this boils down to the same selfless choice, the same balance, uh, not negation, but a balance of selfish desires with selfless desires, not at the expense of oneself, uh, but like I said, this middle way. Uh, So, I'd like to go on and read chapter 6, which is entitled, The Practice of Meditation. Well, I mean, it's not necessarily called that, but that's what it's uh, called in English here, but in this translation. I've mentioned it before, Eknath Eshwara, uh, excellent translator, uh, excellent grass in the English language, understands that the word choice uh, can sometimes get in the way, uh, because, I don't know, uh, myself... Speaking more than one language, I understand uh, that English uh, fails in a lot of ways uh, because, I mean, I've discussed something like meditation, for example. If we were to use some of the Sanskrit, Pali, Tibetan, uh, it would have um, a deeper meaning as well. Uh, What's constant, you'll notice, in the Bhagavad Gita is the use of the term yoga, not unlike Buddhism, where the term dharma is used over and over again, but for different meanings. So again, when we're talking about meditation, it it tends to be a catch-all for jhana, jnana, samadhi, I mean, awareness, mindfulness, you know, it depends. Um on the context, Uh, but uh, in the West, we have to remember it's the point that's trying to be um, shared. It's not the words that we should be uh, distracted or caught in. So on that note, I'm going to talk about the practice of meditation, and you're going to see why I mentioned the West is so stuck on this idea of meditation, that it's a very specific process of sitting um, a lot of times on a particular cushion or it just has a lot of trappings uh, which happens to be one of the ten fetters of ceremony and rites and rituals 
Uh, and, and as we'll go on, you're going to see that the practice itself is not that. So as I said, chapter 6 of the Bhagavad Gita, uh, the practice of meditation. So Krishna opens by saying, It is not those who lack energy or refrain from action, but those who work without expectation of reward who attain the goal of meditation. Theirs is true renunciation. Therefore, Arjuna, you should understand that renunciation and the performance of selfless service are the same. Those who cannot renounce attachment to the results of their work are far from the path. For aspirants who want to climb the mountain of spiritual awareness, the path is selfless work. For those who have ascended to yoga, the path is stillness and peace. When you have freed yourself from attachment to the results of work and all your desires for the enjoyment of sense objects, you will ascend to the unitive state. Reshape yourself through the power of your will. Never let yourself be degraded by self-will. The will is the only friend of the self, and the will... And the will is the only enemy of the self. It's absolutely hilarious. Arguably, everyone should be on lockdown because nothing's open. Um, and I decided I might do this because it was so quiet. We've been sitting out here enjoying the peace on the patio uh, with the plants and a nice little stick of incense and our tea. And uh, now they want to do drag races up and down the boulevard here. But we'll continue. But let me just go back and say the will is the only friend of the self and the will is the only enemy of the self. We've discussed this before. It's both our tool um, and our, uh, our barrier to liberation. To those who have conquered themselves, the will is a friend, but it is the enemy of those who have not found the self within them. The supreme reality stands revealed in the consciousness of those who have conquered themselves. They live in peace, alike in cold and heat, pleasure and pain, praise and blame. They are completely fulfilled by spiritual wisdom and self-realization. Having conquered their senses, they have climbed to the summit of human consciousness. To such people, a clot of dirt, a stone, and gold are the same. They are equally disposed to family, enemies, and friends, to those who support them, and those who are hostile to the good and the evil alike. Because they are impartial, they rise to great heights. Those who aspire to the state of yoga should seek the self in inner solitude through meditation. With body and mind controlled, they should constantly practice. With body and mind controlled, they should constantly practice one-pointedness, 
free from expectations and attachment to material possessions. So let me go back. Those who aspire to the state of yoga should seek the self in inner solitude through meditation. So what is, what is that inner solitude through meditation? It is with body and mind controlled. They should constantly practice one-pointedness. That's that pure awareness. That's that single-pointed mind. That's mindfulness. Free from expectations and attachments to material possessions. Again, that's that attachment and aversion that uh, we lay roots uh, in the samsaric world not just binding us in this lifetime, but again, uh, bringing us once and time and time again to this birth and rebirth uh, cycle. It goes on and says, in line 11 of chapter 6, select a clean spot, neither too high nor too low. Seat yourself firmly on a cloth, a deerskin, and kusha grass. Then, once seated, strive to still your thoughts. Make your mind one-pointed in meditation. Your heart will be purified. Hold your body, head, and neck firmly in a straight line and keep your eyes from wandering. With all fears dissolved in the peace of the self and all actions dedicated to Brahman, controlling the mind and fixing it on me, sit in meditation with me as your only goal. With senses and mind constantly controlled through meditation, united with self within, an aspirant attains nirvana, the state of abiding joy and peace in me. Arjuna, those who eat too much or eat too little, who sleep too much or sleep too little, will not succeed in meditation. But those who are temperate in eating and sleeping, work and recreation, will come to the end of sorrow through meditation. Through constant effort, they learn to withdraw the mind from selfish cravings and absorb it in the self. Thus, they attain the state of union. Again, that's the same... uh, uh, state that we were discussing in the previous, the unitive state, uh, and in the previous chapter that we discussed, this is this pure awareness, this oneness uh, with Ishvara, uh, Moksha, um, and as well as when it says uh, becoming at one with me. Now, this is Krishna talking to Arjuna, but again, Krishna is the avatar on earth that we interact with of um, Vishnu or Ishvara, it depends on on um, the emanation we're talking about here. But again, this is not talking specifics, but it, again, you can just change uh, Brahman to Tathagata, which is thatness, right? What thatness are we talking about? Um, which is awareness. Awareness to what? That the self is both our only friend, but also our only enemy. Our greatest teacher, right? Uh, and at the same time, our greatest, you know, detractor. And when he talks about, right, our fears dissolve in the peace of the self and all actions dedicated to Brahman, right? Because here we're discussing 
action is the true uh, path to liberation. You can set yourself aside. But as you read from this um, paragraph, it's, it's giving instruction for someone who finds it difficult, as the Buddha realized, that it would be difficult to explain this simple truth to people because it was such a, a difficult path, right? To still oneself uh, and to, to devote oneself to selfless action. So again, to sit is a beginner's task. But even as a beginner, you are mandated, not just invited, but you are mandated to carry that into your everyday life, right? And that's how you can find this integration, right? And it goes on in chapter, uh, chapter 6, num- uh, line 19. When meditation is mastered, the mind is unwavering, like the flame of a lamp in a windless place. In the still mind, the depths of meditation In the still mind, the depth of meditation, the self reveals itself. Beholding the self by means of the self, an aspirant knows the joy and peace of complete fulfillment. Having attained that abiding joy beyond the senses, revealed in the stilled mind, they never swerve from the eternal truth. They desire nothing else and cannot be shaken by the heaviest burden of sorrow. Again, what we're talking about here is reaching that abiding place, learning to reside in this um, awareness, to make this intrinsic, uh, lasting default, right? And upon achieving that integration, right, having attained that abiding joy beyond the senses, Right, which is revealed in the stilled mind. They never swerve from the eternal truth. That's being able to stay. But again, the risk is always uh, achieving the, uh, the state and, and not uh, remaining so. And it goes on, line 23. The practice of meditation frees one from all affliction. This is the path of yoga. Follow it with determination and sustained enthusiasm, renouncing wholeheartedly all selfish desires and expectations. Use your will to control the senses. Little by little, through patience and repeated effort, the mind will become stilled in the self. Right? So as you can see here, this is not... Um, remain seated or continue to uh, um, use it as your touchstone. No, the idea is to, uh, is to embody this practice of stilling, of uh, uh, renouncing all your selfish desires and expectations. This is what I've discussed before. It's commonly missed in the West that the Four Noble Truths uh, are tied to the marks of existence. Why? Because life is dissatisfying or, or suffering, inherently um, unfulfilling. Why? Uh, because we are the source of these selfish-based uh, thirst, as they say. Uh, but desires is another translation commonly used. Now, the Noble Eightfold Path, it's not 
a particular prescription. It's simply being your best self, being the most selfless, compassionate, caring, thoughtful. And again, there is multiple uh, references to action and effort, right? So we carry this into our everyday lives, not just because that is how we still and um, cease these uh, um, desires, these, uh, this will, this selfish ego, but it's also, honestly, as it's commonly the goal, it's to bring more compassion and joy and understanding and equanimity into the world, embody it, you know, that sort of idea. Right? So as it says, little by little, through patience and repeated effort, the mind will become stilled in the self. So again, we're talking about this as a, a path. right? This is not a destination. right? Because even once you've reached stillness uh, and integration, you still have to uh, maintain it. And again, we're stilling in the self. We're not eliminating, negating the self. Again, this middle way, this Advaita Vedanta idea, the Pantanjali idea, Madhyamaka, Yogacara, Chittamatran. It's a middle way, logisticians, the Nalanda tradition. We're talking about finding a balance, right? The Chinese idea of the golden mean that predates a lot of this teaching as well, that talks about um, finding. Uh, a balance. What is that balance? It's not insufficiency. It's not excess. So you're looking for harmony. When you don't have harmony in everything, you have disharmony in everything. Which, I'm not saying that is a fact. It happens to be a, a common quote. And we'll just move on from here. Chapter uh, 6, line 26. When at, or sorry, wherever... The mind wanders, restless and diffuse, in, the, in its search for satisfaction without. Lead it within. So let me start over because that was horrible. I apologize. So line 26. When, wherever the mind wanders, restless and diffuse, in its search for satisfaction without, lead it within. Train it to rest in the self. Abiding joy comes to those who still the mind, freeing themselves from the taint of self-will. With their consciousness unified, they become one with Brahman. And it goes on. Line 28, the infinite joy of touching Brahman is easily attained by those who free, those who are free from the burden of evil and established within themselves. They see the self in every creature and all creation in the self. With consciousness unified through meditation, they see everything with an equal eye. I am ever-present to those who have realized me in every creature. Seeing all life as my manifestation, they are never separated from me. 
They worship me in the hearts of all, and all their actions proceed from me. Wherever they may live, they abide in me. When a person responds to the joys and the sorrows of others, really, <sighs> I mean, you got a motorbike that's tuned to be as loud as that. But no, you just have to blast your 70s, uh, you know, southern rock. I get you, bruv. Your ego just ain't big enough. So, I'll start over on line 32. When a person responds to the joys and sorrows of others, as if they were his own, he has attained the highest state of spiritual union. And I'll say again, when a person responds to the joys and sorrows of others as if they were his own, he has attained the highest state of spiritual union. I 100% subscribe to that. I mean, how many times have you seen where people don't have the empathy or the sympathy to feel another's pain or sorrow? And how many times have you seen someone who just has the inability to feel the joy from someone else even when it's contagious some people are just so self-absorbed they are just incapable to feel that joy and that passion for another human being that's what we're talking about here magnanimous even if someone gets a promotion over top of yourself I mean, you should still be happy for them because, I mean, they didn't, uh, they didn't tend to hurt you directly. But we'll go on here. To line 33, oh Krishna, the stillness of divine union which you describe is beyond my comprehension. How can the mind which is so restless attain lasting peace? Krishna, the, wine, the mind is restless, turbulent, powerful, violent, Trying to control it is like trying to tame the wind. He's not wrong at all, is he? Krishna says, It is true that the mind is restless and difficult to control, but it can be conquered, Arjuna, through regular practice and detachment. Those who lack self-control will find it difficult to progress in meditation, but those who are self-controlled, striving earnestly, through the right means, will attain the goal. Krishna, says Arjuna, what happens to one who has faith, but who lacks self-control and wanders from the path, not attaining success in yoga? If he becomes deluded on the spiritual path, will he lose the support of both worlds, like a cloud scattered in the sky? Krishna you can dispel all doubts. Remove this doubt which binds me. Krishna says, Arjuna, my son, such a person will not be destroyed. No one who does good work will ever come to a bad end, either here nor in the world to come. When such people die, they go to other realms where the righteous live. They dwell there for countless years and then are reborn into a home which is pure and prosperous. Or they may be born into a family where meditation is practiced. To be born into such a family is extremely rare. The wisdom they have acquired in previous lives will be reawakened, Arjuna, and they will strive even harder for self-realization. Indeed, 
they will be driven on by the strength of their past disciplines. Even one who inquires after the practice of meditation rises above those who simply perform rituals. Through constant effort over many lifetimes, a person becomes purified of all selfish desires and attains the supreme goal of life. Meditation is superior to severe aestheticism and the path of knowledge. It is also superior to selfless service. May you attain the goal of meditation, Arjuna, even among those who meditate. That man or woman who worships me with perfect faith, completely absorbed in me, is the most firmly established in yoga. A little bit dumb pack there, right? We're talking about um, an archetype deity for devotion. I mean, he's discussing a couple of different practices. I mean, you can um, devote yourself to a particular deity. You can devote yourself to selfless service. You can devote yourself to stilling the mind. Um, and then again, he talks about even among those who meditate, that man or woman who worships me with perfect faith, completely absorbed in me, is the most the most firmly established in yoga. He's talking about your mindless uh, mind, your mindlessness, sure, but your mindfulness, that pure awareness, becoming at one with Brahman, becoming at one with Krishna. Uh, that's the idea, right? So he finishes this chapter on meditation and reminds us that not only is it not about sitting, not only is it not about just stilling the mind, not only is it about mindless, selfless service, it truly is about this integration of all the above, all right? He doesn't want to say that any one of these paths or practice, uh, yoga, um, are deficient, right? Because you can achieve, same as he says, you can achieve a certain level of enlightenment through herbs or ritual. But is it the ultimate path? Um, and again, I do enjoy the fact that, um, not dissimilarly, you can look at the Buddha talking uh, or Bodhidharma or Churyi or Shantideva, the Dalai Lama, um, pa Padmasamhava. You can look at no end to uh, great thinkers in the Dharma who will remind you that there is no end to the entry of the Dharma. Once again, I will remind us that there is no two people alike, no two selves. Um, we are all, all one, but uh, each individual has to look within themselves for their own liberation. Therefore, there is no end to the entries to the Dharma of Nirvana. Right? 